Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. This is Tim Staples of Catholic Answers. I'm excited to let you know that I also teach high school apologetics for homeschoolconnections.com, an online Catholic curriculum provider. There are also recorded independent learning courses at homeschoolconnections.com. Whether you take apologetics with me, literature with Joseph Pierce, or philosophy with Bill Donahue, or any of the other 400-plus courses with homeschoolconnections.com, it's a great way to get Catholic learning for your family. Welcome to part two of our presentation on St. Joseph. Our guest presenter and lecturer is Father Donald Calloway, a convert to Catholicism, a member of the Congregation of the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Before his conversion to Catholicism, he was known as a high school dropout, been kicked out of a foreign country, institutionalized twice, and thrown into jail a multiple number of times. And after his radical conversion, he earned a BA from the uh, a BA of Philosophy and Theology from the Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio, a Master's of Divinity and a Bachelor's in Sacred Theology from the Institute of uh, the Dominican House of Studies in Washington, D.C., as well as a licentiate in Sacred Theology, specializing in Mariology from the International Marian Research Institute in Dayton, Ohio. He's the author of 14 books, and his latest book is called Consecration to St. Joseph, the, Wonder of our, the Wonders of Our Spiritual Father. So we hope you enjoy part two of our presentation of St. Joseph with Father Donald Calloway. Welcome back to lesson two, so to speak, of understanding who St. Joseph is. And it's a pleasure to have once again, Father Calloway, the author of Consecration to St. Joseph, the Wonders of Our Spiritual Fathers. This is a, a spiritual father, excuse me. This is a fantastic book. It's got so much theology that a lot of people don't understand. But here's the problem, Father. Um, how do you unpack it and make it real? Let's admit it. The one thing that people do with theology is they leave it up here and they don't bring it out here in the reality. Yeah. So tell me how, first of all, can people understand St. Joseph in a pastoral, practical, spiritually easy way. Yeah, yeah. Well, one way that I tell people is just like we have devotion to Mary, right? Because she's our spiritual mother and a mother takes care of her children. She helps them to grow. She nourishes them. She, she educates them. She protects them and she even corrects them. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the same thing with St. Joseph. He's our spiritual father and we need that. It's very important for our spiritual growth. And I, I often tell people, our Lord, of course, Jesus, did not need to be corrected, right? No, he's God. But as taking on human flesh, he grew like every other child. And it says in the New Testament, actually, that he grew in wisdom and stature before God and man under the watchful care of Mary and Joseph. That's extremely important for us. It's incredible because what now you're talking, I'm sorry, I'm just going back to theology again, but we're talking about the ontology of Jesus, what he recognized as true, and they forget that Jesus was also fully human. Right. 
and and the wisdom of his divinity, although he probably knew it, he could only understand it in a human, mm. faithful way. Right. And so this idea of how who Joseph was for Jesus was he kind of had to be a teacher. Yeah, that's right. And he would have taught him. And these are affirmed by writings of the popes. I, I have them in the book. A great one is from St. John Paul II. He says that uh, Joseph fulfilled his role in, in the household in teaching Jesus how to pray, how to work. I mean, that's profound. I mean, Jesus is God, but he humbled himself to take on human nature, which means like every child, he has to, there's development, there's growth uh, in that human, not in his divine person, right? Jesus is God always and forever, <laughs> no beginning and no end. But in his human nature, all of us need time and, and, and food, you know, to grow. It's, it's how it works. So St. Joseph was his provider, was his teacher, and taught him how to pray. And it was actually Joseph who led the family in prayers. It was the role of the man in a Jewish family to lead the family in prayers. And Tell that's us about that, because a lot of people, especially in our Western world, have limited faith to a feminine leadership. And look, that's not a problem, because Mary is truly a leader when it comes to prayer. We yeah. get it. Yeah. But yeah. people forget that in the Jewish culture, the man is the quote-unquote head of the household, right? but the spiritual household above all. That's right. And this is what's amazing about this is Jesus is God. So that's next level. I mean, Mary and Joseph are not God. Mary is the Immaculate Conception. Well, Joseph, of the members of the Holy Family, he was the least holy, so to speak. I mean, they're all holy, right? But Jesus God. is God. Mary's the Immaculate But both Jesus, God, and Our Lady, the Immaculate Conception, submitted themselves to the leadership, to the role that Joseph played as father and husband. That's profound. And I think that when men realize that, they can realize, wow, I mean, I need to, I need to be like, I need to lead the family in prayer. It doesn't matter if my wife is a saint. I shouldn't just leave it up to her to do it. I need to fulfill my role in this family, and I need to be the one taking my family to church. I need to be the one saying grace before meals. I need to be the one doing these things. That's, that's what we need today, more men like Joseph. That is so true, and, and it's interesting because that is how God ordained it. Like, God could have just had Mary conceive miraculously and be without a man. Right. But he did it not just because it was a patriarchal society, but because God ordered that a father be present to yep. his most beloved son. Yep. And what an honor for Joseph to do it. But like, what were the characteristics, therefore, of Joseph that can make practically uh, applications for a man who wants to be the head of his spiritual household? It's profound. You know, I learned something in, in putting this book together that I didn't know, that the name Joseph, right? Uh, usually a name means something. Etymologically, it comes from somewhere and it, it means something. Well, do you know what Joseph means? This is profound. Yeah. The name means increase. So Joseph is the increaser. Just like Our Lady, she's the magnifier. My soul magnifies the Lord, she proclaims. Well, Joseph is the increaser. So he is going to increase the presence of God in your life if you're close to him. That is so amazing because that's what every father should be doing in the life of his family right, in his relationship with his wife, in his relationship with his children. But sadly today, that doesn't happen a lot of times. A lot of times, unfortunately, as we know, uh, it's the father or the husband who's the one who kind of is the difficulty oftentimes, not always, but he doesn't want to go to church or he's always, oh, we got to do this again. We're going to pray again. You know, that it should be the opposite. 
Well, it's, it's a false masculinity that we have bought into. And Joseph right. is the one who teaches us how to truly be a man. Look, we can look to Jesus for sure, but he was also God. We're right. going to fall way short. Joe was not that way. Let me ask you just a really quick biblical question, because I get this a lot from people. Mm. Why the name Joseph? Why couldn't it be something like Abraham? And because it, he, he was so connected, obviously, he was the lineage to the house of David. Uh-huh. But when you hear Joseph, we sometimes go back to even Joseph in the amazing color, technical dream code, so to right, speak. Right, I mean, right. names mean a lot in the they scriptures. Do. That's why he was giving the name to Jesus. That's Tell right. me about Joseph in relation to the other Joes that we yes. hear about in scripture. Well, the one that's probably the mo- people have made the most connections with, the saints have done this, popes have done it, and it's profound, is the Joseph who was sold into slavery by his brothers in the Old Testament, right? So we know the story, tragic what happened, but God had a plan. And it's fascinating that he ended up going to Egypt by his captors. He became in favor with Pharaoh, was put in charge of all the granaries, which at that time, Egypt was the breadbasket of the world. And then there was a great famine, and he fed the entire world, the known world at that time, with that bread. Well, we have a much greater Joseph, who, remember, is the increaser. He took our bread, our living bread, come down from heaven, Jesus Christ, to Egypt for safekeeping, away from a lunatic, Herod, who wanted to kill him. And then the whole world is starving, you know, spiritually. He brings our bread out of Egypt, basically in the longest procession there's ever been with the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus from Egypt to Nazareth. There's never been another procession like it. Not a Eucharistic procession, of course, but still the same body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. And it's thanks to St. Joseph that we had our bread kept for safekeeping, and now we're fed with it at every Mass. That's amazing. Our Joseph is much greater than the old one. That was just a prototype and a prefigurement of our great Joseph. I love this because it shows how, as the increaser, and I had kind of known that study just from my studies with Mariology, but people forget that, and I almost forgot it as well. It's his job to help increase the faith, and the way he does it is by feeding his children with the spiritual food. That's why the breaking of the bread for the Jewish meal begins with the father, and then he passes the piece of bread onto them. So this idea of Joseph being able to feed people, Mm. what I'd like to do is maybe think, because I'm a food guy, of course, uh, how is Joseph feeding you? Mm. What have you been fed by your accompaniment? And that's a word rooted in bread. How has Joseph been a companion a bread breaker with you. You know, for me, as a man and as a priest, it's been through that imitation of wanting to be like my father. Every boy should want to be like his dad. I mean, St. Joseph is my spiritual father. He's our spiritual father. And me, I want to be like him. I want to be pure like him. I want to be a, a, a dragon slayer like him in the sense of it's his purity that slays that pornographic, filthy beast we call Satan, because that's what Satan is. Uh, I want to be like him in, 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 in faithfulness, attentiveness, obedience, immediacy. When God tells me to do something, I want to do it like my father did, who wasn't worried about, well, we're not going to have enough money. How are we going to go to Egypt? I didn't prepare anything. We just came from Bethlehem for the census. We didn't bring anything. But he goes. He doesn't question it. That's what I want to be like that. That's how he feeds me, is to help me to be the man and the priest that God has called me to be. Now, you mentioned a an assumed title, the Slayer of Dragons. Um, that's obviously maybe your inflection of the terror of demons. That's right, right that here. Actually, see that image? <laughs> exactly, I see it. Uh, tell me about that image because it is fascinating 
let's admit masculinity today has looked a little phlegmatic, has looked a little right. weak. We've yeah. kind of like taken a back seat and in many pop culture references, we look like idiots. Right, right. And sometimes it's because we deserve it. We act like idiots. Let's just admit yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah. I want to hear about this very strong looking, handsome, yeah. clean, just upright looking man. Tell me about the symbol because there's yeah. practicality in imagery. There is. So yeah, a lot of times, you know, when you see a man in a certain way, you want to imitate that. Well, if you see a man depicted as old and not very strong and, you know, barely even alive, most men, probably all men, don't think, I want to be like that. I want to imitate that. No, you want to imitate a strong, masculine figure, right? So unfortunately, a lot of the art of St. Joseph, he's been appeared soft and sometimes even effeminate and just not very attractive, right? That, that, that's, that's why I had commissioned art like this done, was to present him like he most likely was, as a tecton, as you said, a worker. But here's the thing. Why is he the terror of demons specifically? Like Our Lady, who, you know, when, when St. Joseph asked Jesus something, even now in heaven, our Lord hears it as coming from his Father. And it's going to be in accord with God's holy will. So when Mary or Joseph asks something, it's coming from a parental figure in the life. of That's how our Lord hears it. So he's going to do it. Just like if your mom or dad asked you to do something, you'd do it, right? As, as a loving son. Well, the devil knows this and he's terrified of it. He knows the intercessory power that St. Joseph has, even now in heaven. And he's absolutely horrified, terrified by it because this guy is the terror of demons. I love this. But here's the struggle. There are no prayers attributed that are popular enough in devotion as the Hail Mary you know, for our Blessed Mother or the yeah. Memorari or the Hail Holy Queen. We yeah. ain't got nothing on Joseph. What's going on with that? I mean, we can make it up as we go along, but then right. there could be tendencies for heresies right. in that because that's what the magisterium does is they make sure that the Lex Orande, the law of prayer, establishes the Lex Credendi, the law right. of belief. But yeah. then what I'm trying to do is take it to Lex Vivendi. How yeah. do we make Joseph a law for the way we live? So yep. can you kind of help me with prayer, belief, and action? Absolutely. What you're saying is, is absolutely right. And we've got now officially approved, it was only approved in 1909, so just a little over 100 years ago, the Great Litany of St. Joseph. These are his approved official titles. And the, the penultimate title in there, the second to the last, is Terror of Demons. Yeah. That's in the litany. So that's how, you know, how we pray is how we believe. And so we can unpack that in its application, but that's one of his mighty titles. And so it, it means something. It's not just a pious, you know, phrase we're throwing out. It means something when we pray it. So you know what I would love to see? You know how we have votive masses for the Blessed Virgin Mary. She's mother of the church. She's this, she's that. Beautiful. I love all of those. Wouldn't it be awesome if we had a similar book of votive masses to St. Joseph? One could be the terror of demons, patron of the church, patron of the dying, you name from his litany. Phenomenal. Why we don't have this? I have no idea. Well, it is interesting that Pope Francis, so accused of being so out of touch with everything, was the Pope who just said, guess what? You're going to insert him in all the Eucharistic prayers. <laughs> right, <laughs> We're right, just right. going to make sure that Joseph, you know, uh, spouse of Mary is, is named in there. And yep. it does create a sense of a family feeling, so to speak. Yep. Maybe that's where I'm trying to go with this, because I, I'm the guy who wants to try to work to bring families around the dinner table. Yeah. And I just know that if fathers take time and eat with their children, which we know Joseph did, 
Yeah. I mean, that was just the Jewish culture. You don't eat a meal unless the family is there. That's what correct. I want to do is get very practical and on a spiritual level, because I'll be honest with you, I know the litany. It's long. <laughs> I mean, I could pray the Hail Mary in, what, 15, 20 seconds? Right, We've right. got to get a prayer that we can do to St. Joseph. So, yeah. so I'm just putting it on you, Father Calloway. Write a prayer, get it approved, and I'll pray it. I'll, I'll make sure that we do something. Thanks, brother. No pressure. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. Just don't screw up. <laughs> but this idea of this prayer, and you're right, the litany is a great way to do it. Now let's make it, how do we believe men should be based yeah. on St. Joseph? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's where, you know, the imitation comes in. So we've got to have men who themselves are doing the best that they can to imitate those particular actions that we see him involved in in the scriptures and that we see him in his titles. So am I being patient? Am I? Or am, am, I, am I not? Am I being faithful? Am I being zealous? Am I being a guardian? Right? That's what St. Joseph was. Am I being a pillar of my family? Am I, am I being available you know, to my family? Those are the questions that we have to ask ourselves when it comes to the application. Because we can have lofty things that we say or, or even you know, things that we formulate, but imitation is key. We're not going to become holy unless we become virtuous. We've got to acquire virtue. And we've got, again, Mary most holy, St. Joseph most holy, Mary most pure, Joseph most pure. We've got to seek to go to that font of our spiritual parents and want to be like, to be, look like them spiritually. So imitation requires us to perceive, have a perception, and therefore even to see. We can't imitate what we don't see. We can't imitate what we don't perceive. That's why I'm, I'm interested in hearing more about the commission painting that you have and looking at some of the images. Tell me a little bit about those images because I know I can learn from them. Yeah, so you know what I did for some of them, for example, if you think about the rosary, right? The, the rosary, a lot of people have said to me, oh, it's a bummer that we don't have St. Joseph in the rosary. And I said, well, wait a minute now. The joyful mysteries are Joseph mysteries as well. He was there, right? Uh, with the exception of the, of the Annunciation. But at the same time, he's also included in the Annunciation because when the angel came to Mary, she was already wed to St. Joseph. You know, a lot of people say Mary was an unwed mother when the No, she wasn't. She was already married to Joseph. The context of the incarnation happened within the marriage of Mary and Joseph. So let's explain that real quick, and then we're going to get back to the painting, because a lot of people yeah. don't understand that word, she was already betrothed to her husband. Right. And yeah. so explain that for people right now real quick. So at the time of our Lord, uh, the Jewish marriage had two phases. So they were, there was, uh, and both were considered the marriage. They were betrothed, but they didn't live together yet. They were, the second phase is when they started to live together. So it was at that first phase of the marriage that the angel came to Our Lady and with the great announcement that she's going to be the God-bearer. So she, she wasn't uh, like engaged. It's not like how we talk about being engaged today, right? They were already married. They just weren't living together yet. Yep, which is why it's so interesting, her, her response. People would think, you know, she was uh, kind of an ignorant child. But no, she knew, what he, she knew how babies were made. Right. Old enough to know how babies were made. Exactly. And she knew that she was going to be united with her husband yeah. at this point. Yeah. Uh, so that's why Joseph wanted to divorce her because he was a righteous man. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it's a very key thing. So let's get back to the image so that we can imitate him. Like, first of all, I would love to be taller, like your painting had him here. You know, I would love to be able to grow. That's a pretty studly beard he's got on right now. Very, 
So, but tell me why you picked this image. Yeah, so I had, uh, I commissioned eight people to paint 10 images and they're all in the back of the book and they're on the website um, that you can go to. So I wanted him to be shown as strong, masculine. I don't, it doesn't need to be shown as Conan or Rambo, right? But at the same time, well, you just dated yourself by giving those titles. I did. I totally did. So I'm an 80s kid, I guess, right? So, um, so, but strong. I mean, he worked, as you said, with wood, probably with stone. He probably even was a roofer and he would have had an ax, right? A lot of people are like, oh, I, I'm not so sure that, would he have had an ax? Of course he would. I mean, how do you think he split wood? You know, they didn't have what we have today, you know? So these kind of images, I wanted to be shown that he was a man. That sometimes, you know, you, you look at him, you read about him in the New Testament, and you, you think, what was he? I mean, what did he look like? Well, he would have looked like a Jewish man. He probably would have had a beard. He probably would have worn the attire at that time of a Jewish man, right? So why not depict him like that? And so that's what I did in this image, and a lot of, and this one's called The Terror of Demons, by the way, because yeah. I love that title so much. Well, but well, so I, I mean, we often see, see Joseph with this staff and a lily. Yes. How do people understand what that means? Right. So traditionally, you know, his lily staff is, uh, there's a tradition that uh, when he was chosen to be the spouse of the Virgin Mary, that it was his staff that sprouted a lily as the, the men were being, you know, uh, selected, who's going to be the one to marry this virgin? Well, that's a tradition. It's not, you know, you don't find it in the New Testament. It's one of those apocryphal things, but it's been passed down. It's worthy of pious belief. But it's that staff that represents his purity. The virgin need a man who was worthy of her, who also was so pure. And so that's what that symbolizes. And that's what the lily uh, symbolizes, you know, in many artistic depictions is purity. I love this. There's so much more that we can learn. I certainly recommend people uh, who can get your book. Where can they get it real quick? Just let us know where. Yeah, we set up a website where you can get the hard copy, the ebook, and the art. It's consecration to saintjoseph.org. And you don't spell out the saint part, it's just ST. So consecration to saintjoseph.org. I love it. Father Calloway, um, before I let you go, I just want to ask you I know that there might have been some audio technical problems here, and again, I appreciate everything that we're going through um, with this conversation. What's the, the thing that you are taking away? you know, as a brother priest, that you've just said, you know, this is sticking out in my mind more than anything else after doing your research and writing a masterpiece, really a beautiful book. So thank you for doing it. What is the a takeaway that you can share and that I can learn from? Well, you know, we're celebrating the 150th anniversary right now of St. Joseph being proclaimed the patron of the church. That was declared in 1870 by Blessed Pope Pius IX. And we're living in very difficult times right now, both in the world and in the church. There's a lot of confusion, a lot of division, and we need a good loving father right now. And what better person to turn to than the man who was the head of the Holy Family that Jesus and Mary looked to uh, and love. And I think that heaven and the Holy Spirit is asking us to love St. Joseph as our spiritual father and turn to him right now in this chaotic world for clarity, for peace, and for hope. Great. And with that note, can you please uh, lead us in a little closing prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, in these difficult and challenging times, we ask for the great patronage of St. Joseph, our spiritual father, to guide us closer to Jesus, to help us be faithful, to help us to be obedient, to help us to be loving. 
and we pray that we would fall more in love with you through his mighty intercession. We ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So thanks to Father Don Calloway, consecration to St. Joseph, the wonders of our spiritual father. He's the author, he's an internationally known speaker, and, and above all, he's a, he's a great friend because we're both kind of in the same unique position to try to evangelize. And if you want to learn more about him, where can they find you, Father? Where can yeah, they, they can go to that same website, consecrationtosaintjoseph.org. You'll be able to find everything there. Okay, great. Well, when I come back, I'm going to share with you some reflections about what I learned from this conversation and even some questions to engage your spiritual life. But for now, we hope you enjoy this conversation. Thanks again to you, Father Calloway, and may Almighty God bless us all. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this second part of our presentation with Father Donald Calloway. As you can tell, the first part was trying to get to the sources, the theological sources, so that we can actually write a study about St. Joseph. The second part is more practical. As I mentioned before, that Lex Orandi, the Law of Prayer, establishes Lex Credendi, the Law of Belief, and the Lex Credendi, what we believe, should establish Lex Vivendi, how we ought to live our life. And so this was a more pastoral approach to make St. Joseph more realistic to you. And if you want to get this book, all you've got to do is visit the website consecration to st for Saint Joseph. Org. Again, consecration to stjoseph.org. But I want to leave you with these questions to help kind of engage conversation and more importantly make what we just heard from this hopefully dynamic presentation for you. It was for me. I certainly enjoyed it. Uh, hopefully this can just become more of a realistic experience for you. And so some of the questions that I'd like to ask are, have you ever prayed to St. Joseph? Have you ever talked to him in your prayer? The second question is, can you imagine a personality trait of St. Joseph? What would it look like? And is that something that you would like in your life? What is a personality trait that you can imagine? Because imagination is, a, is truly a part of contemplation. So imagine a personal trait of St. Joseph. What do you admire about him? And what can you imitate about him? And then the third question is, uh, how will St. Joseph be more of an important part of your own spiritual and prayerful life? Again, how is St. Joseph going to be a part of your life from this day forward? Because he is a part of Jesus' life, and God ordained it as such. So once again, thanks to Father Donald Calloway for joining us. And uh, if you want to get the book one more time, it's consecration to consecrationtostjoseph.org. And I thank you for watching this two-part series on St. Joseph. Thank you and God bless. This episode is brought to you by Hallow, the number one Catholic app. Hallow has 1,000 audio-guided prayers and meditations for you to deepen your relationship with God. To listen to all of the Hallow meditations for free for 30 days, head to hallow.com slash breadbox.